These stories have been on my mind for literally almost all of my life. Some have told me I just need to move on, but I couldn't. Others said, write them down. And until now, I couldn't even do that. I want to thank my four children, Allie, Austin, Alec, and Alana, for their encouragement to finally come forward. I also want to thank my wife, Heather, for listening to every word and still loving me. I've changed the names in all these stories, but they're based on real-life experiences. It is a life that led me to an award-winning career in journalism. I have made a living observing and telling other people's stories. Now, finally, it's time to tell mine. So begins the tales of Auburn Creek. It's going to be so hard when I tell our daughter about her father, Bea Wilson said to me. We were sitting in the front room of her mother's home. She'd moved back home in order to feel safe. Just days earlier, her husband was murdered while on his morning run. She was young, no more than 22 years of age. Now, she was alone. I just want you to know, she offered, that you've been so much kinder than the other reporters who've been here. I thanked her and offered this defense for the others. They haven't experienced life yet, I said, as I picked up my bag. Someday, they will. She didn't react. I don't know that I really expected her to. I couldn't tell if she was trying to determine what my comment really meant. I would have tried to explain, but the timing was just wrong. She had her own sorrow to sort through, and after 50 years, obviously, so did I. The timing was always wrong. Let me hear you recite your fives, my mother said as the car came to a stop in front of my elementary school years earlier. I can't tell you what grade I was in, but I can tell you what she looked like. The morning sun highlighted her brown hair and brown eyes. She was beautiful. I responded dutifully and, most surprisingly, accurately, which pleased her. Now try your seven, she continued. I failed miserably. She smiled and told me, well, we'll have to work on those, but for now you need to get moving so you won't be late. We'll practice tonight, she said with a loving smile of a reassuring mother. I got out of the car and watched as she pulled away. Looking back, I wish I would have never gotten out of that car. It was one of the very few clear memories I have of her to cling to. She married young with three young boys. The family had picked up and moved west to Idaho. Her husband, Sonny, was about to be a parts manager at a new auto dealership outside of Boise. They were excitedly setting up their new life together, but it was not to last. Sonny had gone out for drinks with his brothers who'd made the trip out to spend time, help him settle in, and see Idaho for themselves. It was very foggy on the drive home that night. A truck driving the opposite way crossed the center line and slammed into the car they were riding in, killing Sonny instantly. Loanne had to gather her three boys and move back to Auburn Creek. She wanted to get back as soon as possible and leave all the pain and the dreams behind. As it turned out, it didn't matter how far she would have driven. It wouldn't be far enough. The pain she suffered that day would ultimately drive her into the darkest place imaginable, from which there would be no return. But for now, her immediate concern was to bury her beloved back in Auburn Creek. Yet there was something else she would need to attend to. She was pregnant with her fourth child. Another boy who would never know his father and, as it turned out, would really never know his mother. She took some odd jobs to support her family, but ultimately the task would prove to be too much. 
She remarried in hopes of keeping a grasp on reality. It would not be enough. Her life and that of her four boys would spin out of control. That car accident in Idaho took so much more than one life. It taught the youngest boy a hard lesson. When your heart breaks, you will work the rest of your life to fill it. But whatever you do, it will never be enough. He would grow up to cover many of the biggest stories of his time, and ironically, it was those early days that made all that possible. When the world was falling apart around him, he would take solace in writing. He wasn't writing to anyone in particular, just writing. If there was one thing he was in touch with, it was his feelings and those of others. As I got up to leave the assignment that day, I couldn't help but think of my mother. I knew Bea Wilson's pain, and in some small way, knew the pain I felt her infant daughter had yet to feel. If your daughter ever asks about her father, tell her everything you can think of, I told her. Don't leave anything out. Even if she doesn't ask, she will want to know, I continued. Did you lose someone, she asked. My father, and ultimately my mother too, I offered with no explanation. Somehow I think I could tell, she said, as she approached to give me a hug. This was not normal work protocol, but there was nothing normal about this discussion, so we briefly consoled one another. Most of all, take care of yourself, I offered to break the silence. She will need you now more than ever, referring to her daughter. So there we stood, generations apart, but we had one thing in common. We both had experienced life. So ends our first installment of the Tales from Auburn Creek, entitled, fittingly enough, The Beginning. This is Kevin Rader. Thank you so much for joining me in our initial voyage, and I want to encourage you to go to our website, RaiderMediaLLC.com, and subscribe to our podcast. And if you feel so inclined, make a monetary contribution to help ensure future episodes to follow. Our intro music, entitled Highway Traveler, was written and performed by Alana Raider Weaver. Thank you so much for listening.